You are listening to The Pulse, Rod Murray's e-learning tech podcast. Number 197, Melvin Hines of Upswing. This is Rod Murray. Welcome back to my podcast. That teaser was from a song called Autumn Day by Kevin McLeod. So I thought that was appropriate on this beautiful fall day. Enjoy the full song at the end of my podcast. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by D2L. You may know their main product, the Brightspace Learning Management System. I, of course, would only accept sponsorship from companies and products that I am very fond of. So please check out their website at d2l.com slash pulsepodcast to learn more. I also invite you to follow me on Twitter. My handle is Rods Pods. As always, I post links to the things we talk about on my show notes website at www.rodspulsepodcast.com. Today, I talked to Melvin Hines, who's the CEO and co-founder of Upswing. They are a, quote, virtual assistant and student services platform to reach, relate to, and retain your non-traditional students, end quote. So we discuss Melvin's background, the history of Upswing, the great disparities in education, depending on if you're wealthy or poor or on ground or online, their platform references Reach, Relate, and Retain. Reach means answering questions via text chatbot. Relate means to connect to campus or upswing human resources via the web conferencing to provide support and tutoring on more than 400 topics. Retain means to collect analytics and identify students at greatest risk. The result of their platform is that on average there is a 15% reduction in dropouts. They have a unique chatbot technology which integrates with the campus calendars to schedule web conferences with campus and upswing staff and tutors. They have support for mental health and wellness, which is often overlooked. They have support for faculty, and we talk about changes due to the pandemic. So without further ado, here's my interview with Melvin Hines. Melvin, it's so good to see you, and I'm so happy that you could talk to my audience today. I'm really anxious to learn about about you and your entrepreneurial spirit and, and your company. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here, and, and I'm glad to have the opportunity to connect with you as well. Great. Wait, where are you located, by the way? I am in Durham, North Carolina. I actually just moved here as of five months ago. Oh, okay. I also like to find out about the entrepreneurial background that you have. So how did you get involved with this company, this technology? What was your path? Yeah, well, I... I never really thought that I would be an entrepreneur per se, although my parents would probably say otherwise. Um, I, I kept seeming to get into it, different things that they thought were hijinks at that point in time. But I really felt that this was something that was just a huge calling for me, um, that I really wanted to to find a way to be a part of, essentially. I originally grew up in a small town in South Georgia called Albany. And in my hometown, you know, there weren't really a, a ton of resources and educational, you know, opportunities and people to really support you at, like there are in large cities. 
And, and so, you know, in my opinion, that was a big part of the reason why of my class of 250 in my freshman year, only 68 of us ultimately graduated. And that was one of those moments where we knew that something wasn't quite right, but you were young, you had no idea exactly what. And I had the opportunity to go to the University of Georgia, which was a really big deal as a flagship institution for our state and even got written up in the newspaper. But then what I found out when I was there was that for a lot of the students that were at UGA, it was more of a fallback school. They had gone to all these affluent high schools around the Atlanta area and SAT and ACT prep programs were there. and They had tutors and the whole works. And, and that was one of the first times I began to realize just how great of a disparity there was in education and educational opportunities. And I decided right then and there, that was what I wanted to do with my life. And so, you know, I started off doing tutoring and mentoring organizations after school. I ultimately went to law school where I founded a law review called the Forum for Law and Social Change. And our first year's theme was on educational inequality. And through that experience, I connected in with the dean of the local HBCU, North Carolina Central University. And they were running a program or getting started a program that was supposed to help support first-year student success and asked if I'd be willing to participate. So, um, of course, I I was excited too. So I did that part-time for the next three years. And through my interactions with many of the students there, I just started to realize that there were a lot more questions that students had, not just in areas like my hometown, but even in, in some you know, cities like Durham, North Carolina. And how can we do a better job of connecting these folks, no matter where they are, no matter where they grow up, to people who are willing to help support them? A, a large portion of, of us, once we get a college degree, you know, end up running to the cities, basically. And so we leave behind so many of the folks who need that mentorship. And that was really what Upswing started up as, you know, we wanted to create a platform that was going to create those connective tissues that were going to give so many more students those opportunities. And so in 2013, I quit the full-time job that I was working at and and decided to jump in with both feet. And we've been doing this for eight years. Well, that's, that's impressive. Uh, Sounds like something that uh, you should have gone on Shark Tank uh, to, uh, (laughs) <laughs> promote get some funding. Um, it probably great. would have been easier if I would have gotten that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. What's your elevator speech? What would you say concisely is the function of Upswing? Yeah, so Upswing works with colleges and universities to help improve the graduation rates and ultimately the upward mobility opportunities of online and non-traditional students. Um, typically, they tend to drop out at twice the rate as their on-campus peers. And we believe that the biggest reason for that is that they don't have access to the critical resources, professors, counselors, advisors that everyone else on campus has, despite paying the same amount of tuition. And so our goal here at Upswing is to create those connective tissues, give them those opportunities to succeed, and help them to achieve their dreams of graduating and finally uh being on a different career path. So how do you enable that with technology? Um, certainly I looked at your, your website, uh, not in depth, I, I would say, but uh, is your solution automation? Does it require um, 
you know, a, a large staff of uh, real people to, to help your students. Um, speak to that for a moment. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I learned teaching at NC Central was that technology can only take you so far. And we spend a lot of time talking about how there are all these technological revolutions that are going to change the world. And I think even with COVID and how big Zoom became, we, we realized that it still can only take us so far in terms of human interaction. So a big part of what we really try to do is figure out how can we utilize technology to enable those interactions as opposed to replace those interactions. So what we do is we, we have what we call our three R's um, internally, reach, relate, and retain. And the reach aspect is really about taking a chatbot experience um, all over text message and making it so that students can ask this chatbot any question that they have around, hey, I don't feel like I'm ready for my upcoming test, or I think I need to switch my major, or how do I apply for financial aid? And Anna, that chatbot, is able to decipher the information and provide back the information if she has it. But if not, find out who's the right person on campus to support that student. That takes us to the second aspect, which is relate. Uh, the relate aspect of what we do is creating that connective tissue. So similar to what we are doing here over Zoom, we have audio, video, uh, chat, whiteboards, screen sharing capabilities, basically everything that you need to have as close to an in-person experience as possible with a live person. We can also help you with scheduling those, those resources. We connect into Google Calendar and Outlook so that everyone on campus can basically have their calendars mirror their availability. And then if those folks aren't available, we actually also have a 24-7 network of coaches that are all around the country um, providing support in over 400 different topics. And finally, the last R is retain. So everything that we're doing, we're cataloging in terms of data analytics. And our goal is to share with the staff members of those campuses, the students who are at the greatest risk of dropping out at any given point in time and the reasons for that. And so by doing so, we've been able to help prevent nearly 15% of students each year from dropping out of school for each one of the campuses that we work with. And that has actually resulted in over 50,000 students staying in school that would have otherwise uh, not graduated from school. That's really impressive. 15%. I mean, I'm not sure what your costs are, but I'm sure that more than makes up for any costs that the university has, because we know how difficult it is to recruit students and um, and have to replace them when they when they drop out. So that that's that's very impressive. You know, I'm, of course, I'm a, I'm a technologist, so I, I I like to delve into some of the technology. So is the chatbot something you developed? Did you contract with another company? You know, people like to drop in the uh, you know AI, but is AI mm -hmm. really a part of it? Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So. Um, we have built our chatbot completely in-house. Um, of course, we, we leverage many tools that are already out in the world to help us to make our chatbot better. Um, things like fuzzy string matching, um, utilizing some of Google's tools to help us to get there as well. But uh, by and large, we, you know, we have our team in-house that has helped to build it. Now, where I think that what we do is a bit of a differentiator from the typical, say, AI-based chatbots that you tend to hear about. 
is that many times, you know, you can think about it when you're trying to, I don't know, get help from, let's say you need to contact your internet service provider. You go to the website and all of a sudden a chat bot box, you know, jumps up and it tells you that it's super smart and it's going to be able to understand everything that you need. And then you ask a question that's even remotely complex and you're basically stuck. There's nowhere else to go. So imagine having that experience, but you also have, you know, several kids in the background. You already feel like you don't belong because you're going back to school, maybe at 35 or at 40 to try and change careers because you've lost your original job. Just imagine the mounting frustration that you would have if all of a sudden you got to this chatbot and that was basically the end of the support that you were able to get. So that's a big part of the reason why we're not so so much trying to rely on trying to answer all the questions the students have. Instead, we really want to find out who is the best person to locally support that student and the needs that they have. Maybe it's a guidance counselor who is going to help the student understand whether or not continuing school is right for them. Maybe it is an advisor who's going to help them understand that they maybe picked a major that was too hard or, or chose too many courses for their time limits and that they need to change that up. Maybe it's a tutor who is helping them to see that, hey, look, you might feel like you're the only person struggling in class right now, but it's completely normal. Let me help you walk through the concepts so that you can get back on track. That's what we want Ana to be able to do is help to understand which type of experience the student needs so that they can stay on track and continue to graduate. And so in that realm, it's less about being an AI slash smart tool that is going to answer all your questions. And it's more about being able to understand who's the right person on campus to answer those questions for you. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. So when the chat bot um, determines it needs to hand off that student, now is this always a live connection to a, a live human on your on, in your company or does it call you know bring up a, a window on on you know a counselor at the university um, because I, I know this kind of thing is probably pretty hard to to implement because um, to have it as seamless as possible you really have to be integrated with the communication tools that are at the university and you've got so many different uh, <laughs> you know, options, depending on which university you're at. So is that difficult to set up? Is it, do I have that right though? Uh, because if you just say, okay, you know, uh, the bot says I can't, you know, I have to refer you to somebody else and you'll get a call from them, you know, tomorrow, or do you try to have somebody answer that call right away? Yeah, really good questions. So our goal is to decrease the friction as much as possible what we will do when we first begin working with an institution is we will actually train the staff members to come onto our platform and they're going to each set up profiles very similar to what you would do on say facebook um, where they're going to show their picture they're going to show the things that they support uh, we'll even integrate with the school's enrollment database so that we'll know which students belong to each one of those advisors for example after that's done, the only thing we need next is to know the schedule that they're available, which we can find out just by them integrating in with their Google Calendar or Outlook, for example. Once we have those three things together, 
they can just set it and forget it. So they go off through their normal daily tasks and routines. And when one of the students comes in and says, hey, this is what I need help with, then we say, well, let me connect you in with your advisor. We know who the advisor is. And so then we check to see what their availability is. And then we ask the student, are you available to connect with Mr. Smith tomorrow at three o'clock? And as long as the student replies back yes, then we can actually go ahead and schedule that session on Mr. Smith's calendar, as well as for the student. Now, when three o'clock arrives the next day, they can actually both come in through our platform and have a virtual experience just like we're having right now. So the student literally has to go nowhere, doesn't have to do anything else other than accept that calendar invitation. And they're gonna be off to the races And of course, when that session ends, everything takes place the way you would expect it to, where Mrs. Smith is providing notes um, for other people to be able to catalog, and the student themselves are going to be able to answer about feedback on how that session went. But that's the whole benefit of us really being integrated from end to end, is that we can make it very seamless for students to get the help they're looking for. Well, that that makes sense. That's a little reminiscent of... um some of the systems we implemented at our institution. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Starfish, but it's more of an automated system. And it would check calendars uh, of the advisors and so on. But um, one thing that uh, Starfish and other systems I think do, they they also integrate with say the LMS. Do you do that so that the LMS, you know, the student is not logging in to see their assignments you know, they may be at risk and, and, and raise a flag. Do, do you uh, handle that uh, angle as well? Yeah. So what we've done so far is we've started to integrate with uh, with certain systems already. We actually do integrate with Starfish. We've started to work with um, some of the LMSs to integrate with them as well to pull in as much information as possible to provide that support to be more one-on-one and consultative with those students in an automated fashion. And you know, our goal, our product roadmap is that we ultimately want it to be where we are gonna send the alert to the, stu- to the school, but a lot of times they already have those alerts anyway. Instead, what we would wanna do is not just be able to send the alert, but also to automatically follow up with the student. Because what we found is that particularly with community colleges, um, with HBCUs, they're working on such limited resources that their problem isn't that they need another alert or that they need another red flag. Their problem is that they have no time to actually answer those red flags and look at those alerts. And so if we can help them with some of those aspects and then be able to share back to them what we've learned from the student, which by the way, every conversation with Anna is logged and the, and the uh, advisors and whomever else can actually go in and see those conversations. If we can just make it a little bit easier on them, free up their time a little bit more so they can handle those more complex questions, then it becomes a win-win for everybody. I see. Yeah, that that's great. So you have the bot and, and you have links <laughs> into the uh, university's own personnel and the advising departments and, and so forth. Um, but you have your own staff that, do they also jump in at times to sort of fill fill the gaps? How, how, how does that work? Yeah, we do. So we have, uh, I'll first talk about our outsource network of, of tutors. So we have about 400 tutors all around the country. 
that are there to provide 24-7 support. Just a just as a reminder, you know, we have wanted to focus on and target community colleges and four-year universities that are in areas that look like my hometown, Albany, where if you wanted to get help in nursing, who were you going to go to? You know, there weren't really a whole lot of nurses at the ready, you know. So that's what we wanted to do is provide that level of support for students, no matter what school they go to. And so our 24-7 network of tutors jumps in whenever people on campus aren't available to help support them as well, to provide support in over 400 topics. But we also have our in-house staff as well. Our in-house staff are checking to make sure that the more critical issues that are taking place are being resolved immediately because some of those things aren't things that can wait. Sometimes we have very critical needs that are much more time sensitive where students are coming in and saying things like, you know, I'm depressed. I, you know, we've had students who expressed um, suicidal ideation to Anna and we can't wait for those, those types of instances. We have to enact, you know, protocols immediately. And so in those instances, we want to make sure that we're, we're at the ready. And so we have our own internal staff that are also supporting the messages that are much more needed to be answered right away. We, we feel that through those different period of approaches to ANA, we're able to help support the student who needs the immediate support, as well as the students who can schedule for a later round of support as well. That's great. That that really makes sense because, you know, that might, uh, my mind jumped right to that, although I don't remember incidents um, exactly like that, but I know uh, some schools, high pressure um, students are, are can get suicidal and, and they need help right away. Now, you know, the, the, they have, they, they should know about their hotlines and whatnot, but having this direct connection uh, really sounds important. Um, yeah. Am I correct in thinking that the main way that students interact with you is is through a mobile phone or is it desktop or both? What can you say anything about that breakdown? If there's any differences? Yeah, you know, I would say I would say it's it's probably a mix of both. Although increasingly, students are are reaching out to us mobile first, and that's a big part of the reason why we wanted to make sure that the mobile experience is is pretty top notch from Anna, first and foremost, where you get a text message the second you you step foot on campus and you don't have to worry about downloading and things like that, all the way to the actual interactive experience, which you can actually do from your phone or from a tablet device. We think that's really important because a lot of our students, particularly those in those rural areas that we're talking about, they don't have Wi-Fi at home or they don't have a strong enough broadband internet access to be able to do those things outside of campus. And so we have to make sure that they can still get the support that they're looking for right from those devices. Yeah, no, that, that's important. Um, sounds, sounds good. Now, in the last 18 months or so, we've been in the midst of this pandemic. Now, you, you've been in business for a while. So what, what changes have you seen? And is that increased your business, increased utilization? Um, what can you say about that? Yeah, so much has changed. So much has changed. Uh, I'll start with, you know, I'll, I'll start with just our organization. Before COVID, we were, we were completely based in Austin, Texas. We really made it a point that 
if you were going to work here at Upswing, we wanted you to be in Austin because we thought it was very important for us to make sure that we could have a, a tightly woven culture and that it's tied to the mission. And we thought it would be difficult to do so from a remote environment. Then all of a sudden COVID hit. <laughs> and, and we had to figure out how to create and maintain a culture that is mission forward in a remote world. And so I think that we've been able to successfully do that. And as a result, we decided as a company that even post-COVID, we would essentially allow people to work from wherever they wanted to. Um, so that's been one big change that we've seen happen just within our organization. But we've also seen a lot of change take place with the, you know, with the institutions that we work with as well. Prior to COVID, it seemed like we were trying to shout from the rooftops in a way, but but our voices were, were being blockaded. <laughs> that look. If you are a non-traditional student in America, you probably are having a terrible, terrible experience with your college. Because the way that many institutions looked at online and non-traditional students was that we have to do something for them, but they're not really our our main focus. Our main focus are the traditional on-campus students. And, and, And so, you know, a lot of times we would try and share that, hey, the reason why Upswing exists, the reason why we're here is because you're losing students, you know, by the barrel full because of the lack of support in those environments. Suddenly when COVID hit and every student became an online or non-traditional student, they, it was front and center for them. They could no longer deny it. And the question was, how do we, how do we better support these students? And so, and then, you know, I think that many of them thought we just need temporary supports because, you know, of course, COVID will be gone by the fall. And, and of course, that's been over a year and things are still, you know, unfortunately, seeming like they're, they're getting worse rather than getting better. And so I think students, schools are now starting to realize that we have to figure out what the new normal is now. We have to figure out how do we support our non-traditional students first and foremost. And so what that's meant for us is that a lot of schools have been coming to us asking those hard questions that they haven't asked before. And we've really, you know, ramped up to try to support their needs. Our demand has has quadrupled um, over the last 18 months. We've really needed to make sure that we can beef up our staff. So to do so, we, we actually raised a Series A funding round back in March. Um, in order to help support those those staff concerns. And we're continuing to think about what are all the other reasons that students are dropping out as well and how do we bring those solutions to our platform? Things like providing that mental health and wellness so that if no one else is available, there's still someone who that student can connect with. Things like providing financial aid supports and, and financial wellness as well. These are the things that we want to do at childcare. You know, these are the things that we want to be able to, to do and help provide to support these non-traditional students from beginning all the way to their, their graduation date. Interesting. It sounds like you're, you're really fulfilling a, a, an important need uh, that's really been under the microscope now with, uh, with COVID, and, and uh, that, that's great. You know, one thing that occurred to me um, is the strain on faculty as well. I mean, mm-hmm. when we went to do uh, 
you know, emerging teaching over Zoom is what we used to call it. You know, the faculty, uh, you know, many of which have never, never taught online before and just thrown into Zoom. Have you thought about um, sort of an offshoot or, or, or an optional way to help support faculty and what they do? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, a big, a big part of what we've been hearing from many faculty members is, is twofold. One, not knowing what students are, are doing um, to prepare for the classes or to keep from falling behind in a remote environment. It used to be that you could just go down to the learning center and just ask the question. Um, now it's a much bigger struggle. And two, not knowing how to interact with students in, say, an office hour style environment. Both of those we want to help solve for the schools, uh, for, for those faculty members in the schools. And so what we've done is actually created kind of a, a professor style module for our platform where they can see the students who are in their classes the types of supports they're getting either through Ana or through many of the myriad of other student services that are available. And then we're also making it so that they can do those office hours through that, through that module. And now, even when schools are going back to say a hybrid approach, for example, a professor doesn't have to have one set of office hours, for example, for in-person students and another one for online, they could actually have a group office hour session that takes place directly through our platform and make it easier and ascertainable for anyone and everyone, which once again, levels the playing field for our online and more traditional students. And so those are just some of the ways in which we're, we're looking to really make the experience a lot easier for our professors. That's great. That's great. And it's such a need. Um, I remember um, one of the interviews I did not too long ago, uh, they talked about supporting faculty by having some of their students um, help uh, babysit the faculty's kids, you know, to give them a break because oh, wow. they're, they're trying to teach and, and, their, uh, and their kids are, are, are at home twiddling their thumbs or trying to get online <laughs> and so forth. So there's That's a lot true. of uh, really innovative things that are happening. It sounds like you're, you're doing all the right thing. I, I was um, going to ask you a little bit about your um, the business plan and and what stage you're in. And you mentioned you you are uh, raising uh, funding to to keep going. So that that's great. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like your business did you say has quadrupled s- since the pandemic? It has. It it has been one of those hold on to your seats kind of moments for us, where <laughs> we're we're trying to stay on top of all the balls that are juggling. But we're we're maintaining we're we're continuing to deliver a really high quality experience and service for our schools. Um, it's that's something we're certainly very proud of. That's great. Uh, just uh, you don't have to give any detail, but the, when a school signs up with you, is it based on the student FTE? Is that the way it's it's priced? Yeah, essentially we will price it based upon the students uh, the the school's uh, student FTE counts for the majority of all of our services. The one exception is if they do decide that they want to add on any of the tutoring or coaching hours, we will uh, just basically charge them by the hour. And that's mostly because we're paying those those tutors and coaches, but there's no minimum, there's no maximum, the price doesn't change. Um, We're not necessarily trying to make money off of that. What we really wanna do is make sure that the small schools can still provide the same experience to their non-traditional students as the large institutions. 
And so what we tend to find is that the larger institutions won't usually need our network of tutors, but the small ones will. And so we, we add that on just kind of as an additional benefit for them. That's great. So tutoring costs is not passed on to the students, the university or the school pays it? It's completely free to the student. The university pays for everything. And, you know, we really work to, to make our pricing towards where uh, even with all of those costs bundled together, it still ends up making much more fundamental sense um, and financial sense to the institutions because of how many students were able to save in a given semester or in a given year. And we've been able to show that time and time again. And in fact, one of the things that we're really proud of are the folks who have looked at our data and actually back this you know, financially as a result of what they've seen. People like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, um, the Lumina Foundation, um, Stanford University, uh, the United Way of Dallas, NCIDEA here in North Carolina, so, so many others, Strata Education, um, have all said that, you know, the, the work that we're doing is, is pivotal to ensuring that students are retained and graduating. And so um, we're, we're really proud of the work that we've been, been able to do as a result. That's that's fantastic. Um, seems like you're you're doing a great job. I, I can imagine you not get you don't get much sleep these days. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I could use a, I could use a few more wings. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, this has been great. Is there, is there, um, I think we covered, uh, what I had planned to cover. Are there anything, is there anything else that, that you might add anything we forgot anything else you want to leave us with? It's certainly been a great experience and I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to connect with you and just share a little bit about some of the things that we're doing here and where we're trying to go moving forward as well. Great. Well, it's been my pleasure uh, talking to you, and I wish you the best of luck. It sounds like you're in, in a terrific uh, niche uh, to really uh, help help students progress. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the interview with uh, Melvin. It sounds like they have a wonderful platform to support students online, especially those underserved students that may need extra help. So check out the show notes to get some more detail. Stay tuned for the full song. Autumn Day by Kevin McLeod. And until next time, have a great week.
that's it for today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to give Rod feedback. You can leave comments on his blog or send email to rod at rodspulsepodcast.com. The preceding audio commentary is the product of the author, Dr. Rodney Murray, and does not represent the official viewpoint of any other institution or company. Yeah.